Welcome to the Gallimaffrey Gals Book Club. We're a medley of gals, three sisters and our mom to be exact, uh, reading a confused jumble of books. Each of us enjoys different types of books that sometimes do not align with another's preferred book type. This means that we read those possibly life-changing books that we might otherwise have just walked right past. We hope that by sharing our chats with you, that your own reading adventures might lead you somewhere you didn't expect. And now, from the Gallimaffrey girls to you, grab a drink, enjoy the chat, and let's kick this off. My name is Miranda, and I am just drinking some water today. How about you, Mel? Oh, um, I'm Mel, and I am drinking a locally made Nordic chai today. Mm. Mom? I am drinking two different things today. I have a white cloth clementine that someone must have left at my house for a Mother's Day gift. And of course, my Diet Coke. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm Angie, and I am drinking iced coffee today that I made at my house, but it's in a to-go cup. Sometimes <laughs> I take them to go. <laughs> uh, and then today's random question is, is there anything you're looking forward to this summer? And my answer is just getting outside, honestly. We've been cooped up too long. I agree. This is mom, Tess. Just getting outside and, I don't know, maybe getting out on the canoe or the little boat and just doing a little fishing or non-fishing, um, pretend fishing, <laughs> and just getting out. Okay, so what do I want to do this summer? Um, everyday summer in Dallas. <laughs> that is not rude. That is a very, it was kind of a Wisconsinite or a Northern question. <laughs> um, a place that receives all four seasons and it is just starting to get nice out. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, I don't know. Yeah, probably get outside, maybe do some traveling. See your mother. Maybe. I don't know what I want to do this summer. I'm I guess I'm excited about just taking it easy, actually. I just I don't know. I don't really feel really motivated. I don't really have like a plan this summer and I'm just gonna try and just enjoy not having a plan and just kinda see what happens. No, fair enough. That sometimes great. yeah yeah sometimes not having a plan is the best plan right all right well i guess then to introduce the book um i will read the back just a little bit along so bear with me i long for the days before the last desolation the age before the heralds abandoned us and the night's radiant turned against us a time where there was still magic in the world and honor in the hearts of men the world became ours, and yet we lost it. Victory proved to be the greatest test of all. Or was that victory illus illusory? Did our enemies come to recognize that the harder they fought, the fiercer our resistance? Fire and hammer will forge steel into a weapon. But if you abandon your sword, it eventually rusts away. There are four whom we watch. The first is the surgeon, forced to forsake healing to fight in the most brutal war of our time. The second is the assassin, a murderer who weeps as he kills. The third is the liar, a young woman who wears a scholar's mantle over the heart of a thief. The last is the prince, a warlord whose eyes have opened to the ancient past as his thirst for battle wanes. The world can change. Surge binding and shard wielding can return. The magics of ancient days becomes ours again. These four people are key. 
One of them may redeem us, and one of them will destroy us. Yes. Very epic. So yeah, um, yeah, why did you choose this book? So I chose this book, um, recommended to me by multiple people over, I don't know, a few years. So I finally was decided that, you know what, this is a good time to read it. So overall impressions, I guess, um, I really enjoyed it and I plan to read the rest of them. What about you, Mel? Yeah, um, my overall impression is I really, really enjoy the world building and the character development and yeah this was a I haven't read a fantasy novel in a while um well since we read the um the Winter Night trilogy and so I was really happy to get back into a fantasy novel and yeah it just kind of feels like one of those books kind of like a like right now I'm I'm waiting for the next Game of Thrones book I'm waiting for the next um Pat Rothfuss series book and I feel like I'm going to be throwing this into the mix as well. <laughs> so, yeah. What about you, Mom? Um, I was a little hesitant because I didn't think I liked fantasy books, but I actually do. Um, the length of it did kind of give me a pause. Um, it's true. I, it, was, it is very, very long. <laughs> it is. Um, I, I think the reason I got through it fairly quickly was because I I hate to say it, but I took a 12-hour block of time and just read. I mean, I did go <laughs> eat and do other things, but mostly I just read. You um, bought some diapers of... and... No. Not <laughs> you went for it. No, I did go use the bathroom and I did eat and drink things, but <laughs> I, I read. <laughs> there was no one home, so I could read the whole night and into the morning. Like, And I have not read till 2 in the morning for a long in a long, long time. So, but I did find it that interesting that I didn't want to stop. Um, awesome. I really like the world building and the characters. The supplemental people that they would throw in there occasionally really drove me crazy because, like, <laughs> the no, I just wanted to get on with the stories. <laughs> right. Like, throwing interludes and people, I, of course, you know, they I don't do know when they come about. into play later. Um, and I did enjoy it so much that I did read through the third book and I'm waiting to get to the fourth one so uh reading ahead yes <laughs> I just wanted to know what was going to happen next this is why right. I binge watch things on Netflix <laughs> and Amazon so fair anyway Angie yeah I really liked it too I liked yeah all the things you guys said the world building just yeah I haven't read a lot of fantasy in general like Either I feel like um, like Winter Night Trilogy, Trilogy that was probably the last one. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't even read Game of Thrones. I just watched it, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it took me a little bit to get into it because my book was so small that I found it hard to... I wanted to read it for long periods of time, but I found it hard to physically do that because the print is so close to the inner margin on my copy that I had to do something I've never done. I cut a book apart. <laughs> I cut this book. I know, it's terrible. You know, I was like, yeah. I can't believe I'm going to do this. I cut it into thirds. And even then, it was still so tight. That <laughs> it hurt my hands, like, holding it open. And so it's like, I could only read it 
so for sort of like short periods of time no i wish so. um i i do if you guys saw my like the video my the spine of my my book which is the same version that angie was reading it looks like i've owned it for like five years and have like loaned it out and like it's <laughs> it's just all it's cracked because i've <laughs> i've pulled it open so far like almost like in one place yeah the glue is kind of <laughs> but you had to do it otherwise yeah it was just like really hard but that's that's how big the book is <laughs> i was gonna say mine's blurry but mine's a library copy and it is in better shape than then angie's you. and melissa's yep. so. yeah because you got a wider like a bigger version yes, yeah that's not I, like five inches thick <laughs> i would suggest that to anyone who's getting it to not get the like sh like um the shorter version get the the one that's taller because yeah it's it, even with that it's yeah. it's still long it's still a thousand pages or so mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. I was so excited to spend only like eight or nine dollars on it. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm like, well, because I couldn't get it from the library because they were all checked out and there was like super long waiting list. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I got to do it. And then, yeah, it's like almost as thick as it is tall. And it's just, <laughs> it's just too much. And I did pick up the second book from the library because apparently all the people reading the first one haven't read the second one yet. Ah. And that is a nice big hardcover version. Like, looks like it's tall, like your guys' copies. <laughs> Actually, it's normal size print and <laughs> margins. And it, like, it's it's big. It's so big, it would fit under the, like, plexiglass <laughs> divider for the librarian to check it out. She had this. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, oh, that's yeah, the, the length of the book was a little bit daunting just because it's a thousand pages but mm -hmm. I like to read we all like to read so it wasn't like the worst deterrent ever mm -hmm. but basically I had like three separate books right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that yeah was, like that it, was, it was good <laughs> that was scary for me to hear you had done but I I had the same version and I was so the other part of me was like yeah yeah, I get that. <laughs> I've never cut up a book before. No, I was like, right. No, this is so wrong. Right. And it's so worn, like all the corners of the, yeah. the pages at the ends where I like ripped it have come off. And it's just like in shreds. This book is in shreds. You're going to have to glue it back together. No, if I need to read it again, I'll just get a different copy. Okay, rubber band it together. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Yeah. That way you don't lose any pages or anything. Right, yeah, gone, that's a good idea. You'd lose the most important parts and you'd wonder what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like we have um we have a book in our collection that has like the cover missing and like the first like 11, 12 pages. And I'm like, well, oh, no. I've never read this book. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, all right. I guess I can read the opening line of the book. Let me find it first. It's at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It has the uh, maps and stuff. So I guess yeah, the question the is yeah. the prelude or the prologue. Or. <laughs> I think start with the prologue because prologue? that's part okay. of the story. All right. So, Seth San San Valano, <laughs> Truthless of Shinovar were white on the day he was to kill a king. Ooh. That's a good, 
that's it that is a good first line (laughs) yeah so that yes that is kind of and this character he is he does not show up like all the way throughout the story he shows up in the in the um interludes so yeah he's eh, one of the characters we kind of follow but yeah it's not he plays an important part and yet it's kind of in the shadows Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and we do have um, we have to remember to kind of explain some words that we might have we might now take for granted having read this book. Yeah, I, I actually really like the prologue, and I've started most of the time. I like skip through prologues or just speed read and just kind of mm-hmm. skim. And I thought I've been finding that most prologues actually have a very important part of the story to tell. So for sure. Um, and this book too, like there's, like I said, there was either the prologue and then there's like a part before that, which is also very important. Um, the pre- it's a prelude. The prelude, right? Yeah. Prelude, yes. I don't even so, remember that really. <laughs> this was, I went back and I read it because right. Yeah. Prelude, yes. I don't even so, remember that really. <laughs> this was. I went back and I read it because I was also that, like, I'm like, I can't really remember what it said, but it kind of gives mm-hmm. you some history. And it talks about, like, these seven people, I think it was, that basically had been fighting, and they were like, well, we're, we've finished this, we're done, like, we can't go back to where we came from or whatever, like, basically they were in this cycle thing where they would come back for the desolations and they would defeat things and then they would go back to hell basically basically go into this like yeah hell but like it's basically a nothingness mm-hmm. like a void and they'd be stuck there but they were tortured while they were in there yeah like it seemed like it was a painful and like just terrible thing and then they'd come back and then they'd fight and it's like oh yeah that's again. right that's right and then so this they I basically totally go over the fact right but it seems like it's it's really important because yeah. like they also then are like okay well we're not doing this anymore yeah except yeah. we're gonna leave one guy there <laughs> one guy because he died yes was sent back to that so they're like well most of us made it out we're just we can't do this anymore hmm. and so then they leave their shard blades and walk away so yeah <laughs> they did they walked away. Yeah, from everything, like, yeah, no from weapon, what they were doing. No armor. And already yeah. we have to explain, what is a shard blade? And True. What... <laughs> shard plate. <laughs> yeah, so if, if anyone has played Halo, I always kind of, ima- I, I kind of imagined the shard blade to be like that cheater, I call it a, that cheater weapon, the cheater sword, basically, <laughs> like, when you have this sword, you are basically invincible and yeah so but yeah in terms of this book <laughs> it's like basically like summoned it out of nowhere yes yeah and it's it takes three heartbeats to summon it right three or ten yeah something like that oh maybe anyway, it was ten i think it was 10. i don't know but like mm-hmm. in the matter of heartbeats like you can summon it and it's basically it doesn't like, cut through skin and stuff like that but it does like it's like a laser basically kind of but it'll cut through like 
metal and rock mm-hmm. but like for a human it'll cut through their soul burns out their eyes. i actually like forgot about that aspect even i'm gonna learn a lot during this discussion <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to shed plate is basically the equivalent but in defense like the the armor that you would wear with the shard shard blade essentially it, again it, it basically makes you kind of invincible and it makes you be able to like jump really far and high and land from crazy heights and um if if it becomes damaged it it starts to leak stormlight and stormlight of course is like that's a huge element of this book um it's called the stormlight archive (laughs) (laughs) so and the stormlight is basically it's what gives the shard plate and blade power kind of or shard blades i don't know so much because i don't think it's actually a part of it but the shard plates have like little gems they're like gems but they create their own like power and light mm-hmm. it never really i don't think it ever really goes into like where they get it from i don't but... think so either but if they go dim you can recharge them if by putting them on the high storm mm-hmm. right and these high storms come through every once in a while and they're basically like huge huge storms where you have to batten down the hatches and don't you be know, out in the wind with them yeah yep it'll slice you apart basically if you are left out in in one um they're not not your average hurricane even it sounds like it's worse worse than a hurricane hurricane yeah tornado kind of Mm -hmm. all thrown together Mm -hmm. yeah it's really intense Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah with the with the prologue um i guess we can kind of I mean, it's it is really important. It basically sets up, kind of sets up like some of the reasons for why some of the other characters are doing what they're doing. It basically, this Seth guy, um, he's called the truth. He's called Truthless, and he's essentially he's he's a an assassin who has I'm not sure what they call him. He's got superpowers basically, where he can bind himself to the walls or to the ceilings and like crazy acrobatics um and he's basically a slave to whoever has his oath stone and for whatever reason i don't really know but it seems like all of his masters want him to kill people i guess i never really thought about why that would be like why would someone but anyway miranda read that first line of the story and that's who they were talking about, the Shinovar, the whatever his name was, Truthless. That's who you're talking about as the assassin. Yeah. Seth Son Son Shinovar. Shinovar, yeah, there we go. So basically this book um starts off with this Seth Truthless guy and he kills the king at the time, Gavilar, which is kind of a big deal because Gavilar is a relation to one of the characters in here or a couple of the characters multiple, in this story yeah. multiple yeah yeah i and wanted to go into it a little bit i thought it was so the old stone part in general i wanted to talk about because mm-hmm. i think that's really an interesting concept like mm-hmm. you own me because you have this and you can't ever take it from them like right you can't steal it back and gain right. your freedom that way and it makes me wonder, I don't remember if they really go into, like, why he has one or if all Shin do, 
or which is the race he is or if it's just like specific ones like if he was like exiled to being whatever like or sold to this lifestyle or mm-hmm. and i don't know if i read this in the second book so i don't know if i should say anything <laughs> okay yeah i can't remember um, I can't but remember I if they say remember that they called him truthless because he had some kind of visions or whatever and they basically that's why they called him truthless and they kind of kicked him out and made him a slave because of whatever oh, okay yeah that was in this book okay good <laughs> towards the end i think mm-hmm. i think so but yeah why they bound him to the stone or why he felt he was obligated to be a slave to whoever had the stone i don't think that that was very clear no Just i that. also yeah that's a good point yeah it's also interesting that like he didn't want to do it no. either and he's felt guilty about any of the killing that he's done mm-hmm. and yet he can't not say no so i kind of want to know um mom you would know this maybe but um does it go into it in the first book about the old stone and why he was in the first second or third book they go into it a little bit in one of the books okay not so much as to why he felt obligated but okay i know they go into more about that he really wasn't truthless and he shouldn't have been bound to this old stone Okay, that must be in a later one. I'm kind of wondering if, to me, it sounds almost like, and this might be going a little ahead, but it almost sounds like Kaladin and the Seth guy are like the same type of person, like the same powers. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I thought so too. That's what I thought too. So I wonder. No, I think they definitely are. um, And I I can't remember what they. What did you say, Mom? Surge Binder? Surge Binder. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, so that's another thing, is, like, there's two different kinds of things. Like, there's what he can do, and then, like, later on, we come across Kaladin, who can eventually do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's, this is something that's rare. Like, no one else can really do it, which no I think is fascinating. No one has been able to do any of that since the last desolation, since they've come back, and the, um, what were they called? Radiance? The Radiance were around, and I don't know if you said that. I was looking for the dog, because I couldn't tell where he was but he was sleeping <laughs> on the couch so <laughs> i woke him up oh <laughs> so have we have we already seen some of these characters maybe under different names or as reincarnations do you mean that was actually that was actually um supposed to be from like the prelude i thought that was the prologue but that was from the prelude oh, the guys oh, that okay. we had that were going back to do all the desolations oh because I feel like there's more to the what was said there. Like, yes, I get it for backstory, but also, like, what happens after mm-hmm. they left their oath or whatever. And if they haven't, they just, you know, lived their life, whatever, and then ended up dying. What about the guy that was in the cycle? Does mm-hmm. that mean we're going to be mm-hmm. seeing him again when the next desolation, like, starts? Or mm-hmm. has the desolation already kind of started? Is he going to be pissed? Is he gonna keep his oath? Like, what about the guy that's stuck in? That's that's what I'm saying. Like the guy oh, that's yeah. stuck. Like he's the only one that would didn't like break his oath by leaving right. because Does he, he gets to didn't come have free? a choice. Right? Does he get to go free? Does he? 
get out and be angry and destroy everybody and everything. Hmm. I guess so. Yeah, I guess I I, uh, it was just a thought that I had because I was like, well, you know, they mentioned it. Mm-hmm. They mentioned right. that there was one guy stuck in that cycle, and it's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. they keep mentioning the desolation, and like, it's the great desolation is coming or whatever, and it's like, okay, well, will we see this guy again? Was he? Yeah. Were they supposed to be like the radiance? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, yeah. It's curious to yeah. see questions, questions left on <laughs> tons of questions. The part part one of the book is focused on the characters Kaladin and. Did you guys say Shalon or Shallon? Or I don't know. I've said it both ways. In my I know. Head, so. I know. Shallon. Shallon, but yeah. I, I never could said see it, it out loud. said either way. <laughs> um, the but. questions start out with the observation. There's a drawing of the same arch, of an arch, but the illustrations under the arch lets you know who the chapter is going to be about. And also I noticed in, I don't know if it was this book or the other ones, that some of the faces in the arch changed also depending on who the chapter was going to be about. But the picture under the arch was the main giveaway on, oh, this is who this is going to be about. So I Mm -hmm. like that heads up. Oh my gosh, I never noticed the face thing. (laughs) I noticed the, honestly, I noticed the faces and I was like, I wonder if there's like some kind of code, like for what they mean. I didn't, That's cool. like, I noticed, noticed that the little illustrations underneath changed too, but I didn't realize that they, yep, they, they meant, like, who, who the chapter was See, about, and, that and makes sense. That one, I, I did notice because I, yeah, I needed to, I want, I like to know what, what chapter I'm on, like, who I'm reading about, Fair. but, yeah, I really liked the illustrations, um, yeah, throughout the book. Throughout the book, um, mm-hmm. they're by various artists, but I really like like you don't. I haven't seen that really in a lot of fantasy novels. Like you, you get usually get maps, but um, you don't usually get depictions of um, the creatures and. See, and I thought some that of the was, other things and those were illustrations which, that Shallon had done. Or that's kind of what I was thinking too. Like, some of yeah, them, I think, yeah. were for sure. I think yeah. most 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 of them were yeah but it was yeah, cool though to be able were, yeah. to see what what they look like yeah <laughs> right yeah, you just usually get maps or something and not right like, yeah right. and these yeah. seem like such unique creatures like everything is yeah it's like sea animals on land i don't know right <laughs> yeah 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 one of my favorites was the sky eel that in person but no yeah, that was pretty cool. Thanks. yeah the sky eels yeah that was really neat yeah, I had a hard time reading her page. handwriting, though, on the notes she wrote about them. I don't know if you guys did or not. The what? The, her notes, her handwriting. What about them? Along with the illustrations. I had a hard time reading those. Oh, yeah, I did, too. It was. But I didn't um, care. It's like I was just looking at the pictures, and yeah. I figured I can't <laughs> read it. I figured it kind of went with whatever she had talked about in the book when she was drawing them. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this one is like, how does this creature stay in the air? Question mark. Right. I notice some sort of pouch under each wing that deflates as it dives. But yeah, it's like super tiny writing and it's like and really, very curly. It's, it's very pretty, but it is. It, yeah, it's hard to read. <laughs> I thought of your handwriting right away. Because <laughs> uh, her handwriting's really pretty, but it's not always easy for me to read. It's not even easy for me to read. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that would be like my cursive. I, it's like yeah, I'm better off printing because mm-hmm. I feel like that's most people's cursive, honestly. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I also like that they said 
who the next segment was going to be about with all the world building and character development. I appreciated the cue. Oh, okay. Yeah, or like in each section where it'd be like, oh, art two, this one's going to contain stories about like yeah. Kaladin, oh. Dalinar, and yep. like Shaolin. Like the beginning of the chapter, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, liked that like, too. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Although Except like they had the interludes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of nice then knowing what those characters were going to be because then you're like, oh, okay, the section we're not reading about them, we're reading about like Mm -hmm. another storyline. Someone new. Yeah. Yeah, that was sort of helpful to sort it. So we start off this book with um, Kaladin is a, he's like in a wagon or like whatever with a bunch of slaves. He's basically a slave. Yeah, so how old did you think Kaladin was in the beginning? And were you surprised when you found out that he was 19 turning 20? <laughs> or 23 yeah. years? Yeah, I, I thought I that was scary. a lot younger than I thought he was going to be. Oh, I yeah, was I thought he, younger than I thought yeah, he was going to be. I thought he was a lot older than 19. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. That's I almost why. kind of wonder... I mean, maybe I'm sure there was a reason, but like, I almost kind of wonder why he chose such a young age for him. Like, probably because he wasn't emotionally grown up yet, and he had gone through so much already. That was the only thing I could think of. I could see too if it's just like um, people in that world, like they start doing stuff at younger ages. Maybe they don't live quite as long. Mm-hmm. True. So like that might be like a normal age for. Mm-hmm most people to have started doing whatever mm-hmm. what did they say? I, mean, I think they said like 15 was like an adult or something like yeah, that 14 so. or 15 is when they chose their career wait like, i feel like it's does the math add up so so when he was like helping his dad like when he was like before he was planning on going to school to be a surgeon like how old was he like 14 or 15 though right when he was still at home yeah, I think um, he started like when he was like ten or twelve. I mean, he started yeah. helping his dad from a very, very young age. Yeah, but like when he left home, how old was he? I thought he was like fifteen because he was almost getting ready to like go to college. Go to college, school. right? So he was like fourteen or fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So when we meet up with him, it's like six and a half years later because the king's already been. So wouldn't he be like? I guess. Yeah, I guess twenty or twenty-one. It's still not as old as I pictured but mm-hmm. no I actually right. was thinking 30. I don't think he could be 19 though I think he, he was... well they said 19 going on 20 oh that doesn't I don't know the math doesn't add up <laughs> I didn't do the math I just believed him I honestly yeah, I can't remember too what what they said he was when he actually like ended up joining the army too because I think he was he was a little bit younger than he was originally going to be for like going to the city for becoming a surgeon right so he might have i want to say like 14. 14. anyway didn't think that he was this young <laughs> no right yeah i feel like there are multiple questions like if this is this took me like two months to read so like the beginning part is kind of fuzzy but he, yeah like i'm trying to remember how he got from how did he get from the wagon to with the slaves to the bridge crew or was that like the destination to begin with yeah that was the destination well it wasn't okay. necessarily to get to the bridge crew but it was to get to the shattered planes and then either be put into service as a soldier or sold, sold as a slave to someone to do something mm-hmm. out on the shattered and he was just lucky and got chosen for bridge four not Eight. at first though i thought he was a different bridge 
Bridgeport no, at first. He started nope. there. Oh. Started at Bridgeport. Oh, okay. Because the, yeah, basically because the, the slave person was like, oh, he's lying because he tried to be like, oh, but I used to be a, a soldier. <laughs> a soldier. And then they're like, oh, no, your mark on your forehead says that you were, I don't remember what it said. A slave and dangerous. A slave. And a, yeah. Oh, a deserter. Yeah, a deserter. Des yeah, deserter. Yeah, there was some, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so basically these bridge crews, um, they are helping helping a high prince's um army basically get across because it takes Castle. place these happen in like the shattered plains they're called which is basically like if you imagine a desert like a dry dry desert floor like how it's cracked and everything except imagine that you are the ants like you have to get across the gaps and they're all broken up and the chasms are really deep and so that's what the bridge crews are for, basically, is to... Oh, and you have people move. shooting arrows at you and spears. Yes, when there's, a, when there's a war happening at the time, these bridge crews basically have to... They're treated as just nothing, basically. Fodder. Fodder and... They're like, the throw ones. away garbage. Like, yeah, exactly. Take it's, the arrows to get the bridge down so yep. we can cross. Right. Yeah, they're disposable. Mm -hmm. Yep, disposable. Which is why they use slaves, because they're like, whatever, you don't matter. Mm -hmm. yeah. So instead of having someone that you've invested training weeks and months. Right. Just someone disposable, basically. Someone that can carry something heavy and yeah. run. Mm -hmm. And they're in these shattered plains. They are fighting um, a race called the Parshendi, mm -hmm. um, which their skin reminds me of that one, like, Star, Star Wars character that oh, one yep. from I can't remember what his name is but he's got the red and black skin <laughs> yeah Star Wars fans are like it's blah 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 <laughs> yes <laughs> I can't remember you guys don't know either I never I'll watched the newer ones so I don't but I know who you mean was it like one of the Sith people I'm a terrible Star Wars fan I'm not passionate enough <laughs> yeah there's their skin is like got its own like natural armor like basically growing out of them Right. And the reason that they're at war with them is because they were the ones that was... Darth Maul. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I we had a general idea of what you were yeah. talking about. But yeah. <laughs> I had Miranda. But yeah, they're fighting the Parshendi because the Parshendi were the ones that were believed to be behind the death of um, Belvinar, the king that was killed in the beginning. Because they made... Even though it was the... it was. Um, they were signing a peace treaty or had signed a peace treaty. Yeah, they had just signed one when, yeah, like an hour, two hours later, whatever, the king was killed. And they had made it seem like it was under their doing. Yeah, they claimed responsibility. There we go. Yeah, they claimed responsibility for it. Yeah, there's a lot of different races in this book. And it's really interesting because you've got the Parshendi who are, I don't know what you'd call the wild, the people that live out in not with the other people in Roshar, they have their own culture and system of governance and just a whole other being. I always kind of- We don't relate. know that in the first book though. You do well, it's about the Parshen, About the Parshendi. Yeah, yeah you know that they have their own culture and they're out in the wilds, like they, they yeah. talk about it. Yeah. They- Multiple times. And, but and it wasn't till the end of the book where they, where like um, Dalinar and Kaladin are, are actually like, they're seen 
they're they're actually observing the parshendi and seeing how they revere the dead and everything but well they knew that from the beginning that they revere their dead they don't want anyone to touch their dead they didn't they didn't discover that in the beginning of the it was in the middle of the book Um, i just i just got to that part i just finished i just finished the book a lot of the they they realize that yeah they they do revere their dead but like they didn't take advantage of that in the way that they did until towards the end right the other people realized it before but they just they didn't care really uh, see and like, i didn't, they didn't i guess really... i didn't interpret it like that i i yeah. i took it as everyone who's not parshendi views the parshendi as just dumb brutes basically just these dumb war brutes that don't have any rhyme or reason and yeah and well, it wasn't until more toward the end of the book where we see dalinar and kaladin kind of actually looking at them not as not as the enemy but as other equal like like equally intelligent beings and seeing these things about them well and i would say they didn't think they weren't they were until that doesn't mean they didn't because they said in the beginning when kaladin and dalinar met them that they realized they had a different culture um not that they knew they were intelligent in my mind i kind of related it to the way the europeans felt about the natives when they came to north america it's like they thought of the natives as kind of warlike and no culture and whatever because they were they because they were different from what the europeans considered culture Mm -hmm. and had a different and the europeans were more advanced with weapons and things like that and so I always kind of thought of that as like, kind of like those two entities, like the natives and the Europeans and how mm-hmm. the Europeans viewed. And, mm-hmm. and that's how I felt like, I don't know what to call them, Alephis oh, yeah. viewed mm-hmm. the Parshendi. Yeah, like sort of like savages, uncivilized. Yeah, not as refined, I guess. I don't know. Right, or not as good as we are because we are mm-hmm. more. Well, I think they kind of thought that about everything. Everyone <laughs> yes. <has to> yeah. <laughs> But, like, even um, at one point, it is towards the end of the book, but, like, um, they kind of talk about when the old king had met them. Right. And, like, and his sister? Yes. Um, no, his daughter. Jasna? Jasna? Jasna, yeah. However you say her name. She, they kind of go over, like, the things that she had written about them and, like, how, right. you know, whatever, like, they... They seem to have intelligence and communicate and stuff like that. But they do also have their other half, which is the Parsh men. Right. Which are basically the dumb, the dumb brutes. Quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Who uh, basically they have just working for them. Slaves. Mm-hmm. Basically they're their slaves. Like they don't pay them or anything. They just have them do basically all the hard labor and yeah, and treat them however they, they want. And that's just interesting. I, I don't mean to like beat a dead horse but that is interesting that I, I i don't know what made me come away with, with a different interpretation of that because like i was reading it as like the alethi thought or like viewed the parshmen and the parshendi as like not even like almost like animals like not even just like that they're savages but that they're animals like no. not they, even i think they view the parshmen like that for sure yeah okay right. interesting Which, and, and, and they because they under- basically ignore them Right. Mm-hmm. And and they don't see them as being the same. They don't understand how they're the same and different at the same mm-hmm. time. 
because they have the marbled skin mm -hmm. and yeah so they think of them as two different i don't know what to say species basically like cousin races kind of right. in a way but. right so we've got the parshendi and the parshman and the alephi yeah and they live on the planet roshar mm -hmm. right and then there's all these other kingdoms with is it who are the ones with the eyebrows <laughs> oh yeah the thalar yes oh. thalars or thalans Thalar. and then yeah thalans. yeah, I, think that's yeah. Right. I mean so they have and there's someone it. with blue skin and oh yeah so they, that's right you know they do have these different races that they don't always get along with each other but they all consider themselves better than the hmm. parshendi and the parshman hmm. and most of them have some kind of trade routes with each other but it's the Alephi that are out on the Shattered Plains doing mm -hmm. war with the Parshendi. For retaliation. For retaliation of having their king killed. Yep. At least that's yep. how it started out. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, actually, that's an important point. I don't think we really really said it specifically, but that Seth um, Truthless assassin, he was hired by the Parshendi to kill the king. So right. it wasn't... Or well, so he... Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think he kind of had the. No, he, he he was. Okay. Because they kind of alluded that he was, but he he was. They um, claimed it, and they he was quotations, but it he wasn't sure that it was actually them behind it. Right, and and partly because they didn't understand why would you sign this peace treaty and then kill this guy, and they go oh, into I mean. it in one of the next books, so. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard. I don't know how you're going to be able to dis distinguish between them because I can't even distinguish between <laughs> the parts of this book. Um, okay, so I do have one question as we're going through our questions. So we have why do the Voran women cover their safe hand, their left yeah. hand? So how is Voran different than a lefty? Is that their Vorin, religion? I think Voran is a religion. That's how I do Yeah, I think it. so. Mm -hmm. But in that religion, and it seems like a lefty, most of them are Voran. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, the women cover their left hand in the more upper class, keep it like in a pouchy, mm -hmm. like in a enclosed sleeve. The more worker women wear a glove. Yeah. And and I actually found out the answer to this, and there is no answer because I looked it up <laughs> online. This was something he came up with. <laughs> Interesting. But, you know, and I just think about that if it's like, okay, so if you have to have your hand in a, like a sleeve, basically, that makes it really hard to do things. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't have to do a lot of the manual labor. You just, you that's have slaves and <laughs> you basically, yeah, just, why do you need your left hand? <laughs> well, and I just think it's interesting that it's, sexy if their left hand <laughs> yeah. is exposed right i know i was know? like why do they need to sexualize that like <laughs> yeah it's sort of so i i had a general question for later but since we're talking about the sleeve like just sort of the i don't know feminism and or like anti-feminism themes like i don't know if anti-feminism is really there maybe but like yeah sort of in the way that they're sexualizing like the hand after it's being hidden but like yeah just um kind of the general like oh i'm a man so i fight right but then right, like right. the women don't but then they sort of like to me seem like 
they're better off because they get to be the scholars and they're basically like the masters of the humanities like i get to study and learn and like music and art and like they're sort of cherished for for that but then at the same time like men are not allowed to read and write so if they want something read to them or written they have to find a woman to do it for them Mm -hmm. which then sort of seems like i don't know i don't know how to take that like Oh, I know. And then, like, the women would maybe not read everything, or when they wrote things, they'd write their own interpretations. Right. I love that. Their own notes. <laughs> yeah, and like, men would never know, lot. but other women would be like, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that. Was, yeah. <laughs> I actually really like that. I do too. But to go back to like the safe hand, I also think yeah. I think that's kind of like, um, like how in other cultures, like when you, if you don't see it often it often becomes sexualized more like like even before like when you weren't supposed to wear like dresses that went up above your your knees you know and you saw the ankles and it's like you know like (laughs) i think it's the same kind of the forbidden kind of deal yeah is yes yeah because you don't get to see it it's it's suddenly it's it's oh it's mysterious erotic extra, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know Ooh, we don't see that every day Ooh, that's right? <laughs> exactly so that's i think I... that's that's more how i took it it was just kind of like a like a call back to like cultures that you know have stay more hidden right. sure like more modesty and right yeah that makes sense i thought it was interesting though like i don't know like does it make the woman seem more fragile it's sort of like Ah, you can have the power of knowledge, but you must be fragile and only use one hand because right. I don't know. Would a woman be more powerful with two hands? Like, oh, <laughs> men are able to contain that. I don't know. I'm probably. I'm no. I'm like really over like looking no, I into love that. It. No, it's good. Yeah, I, I, no, I just looked at it, it like mysterious. That's how I took it. It kind of gives them a little bit extra mystery. Like, because also then they have the hidden pouch where they can store things, and like looking inside yeah. of it is forbidden, like and like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, true. and I thought know, of like they, the Native American medicine bag, like, is, is that what it's called? Or you know, like some of them, the Native Americans have like a medicine bag, and they keep special things in there for their, you know, to give them power and, mm-hmm. and good health and whatever, and and no one is supposed to look inside at that. And oh, I kind of thought of. Oh not i mean obviously they the Lawrence kept women kept other things in there but that's what i kind of thought of like hmm. as a little more of a religious kind of thing oh that's interesting yeah i like i like though the idea of being able to at least have some secret place that like mm-hmm. no one was supposed to look in but you but mm-hmm. except would that i mean if you weren't Warren, would you care I mean, if you if you knew that women had the safe pouch that they could keep valuables in, wouldn't you like if you're going to attack someone? Wouldn't you just go in there and take out the pouch and dump all her gems and stuff? Or did you did everyone just respect that right this across was the something board? You didn't right. do? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seemed like most of the other cultures kind of all kind of just they weren't like super rude about other people's like cultures like when it comes to like stuff like that like they seem to just kind of follow along with it like even jesna even though she wasn't religious she was the known atheist like she still was like you know kept to a lot of the things like she still covered her hand covered her hand and was like the the scholar and oh yeah that's another question were the ardents were they only men no 
Okay, I couldn't remember if man or woman. You just had to shave your head for sure. <laughs> okay. You probably couldn't most tell. Of the ones we met were men. Right. And most of the ones they talked about were men. But I think they said that, yeah, anyone could be. But it was mostly men that were. Yeah, as long as that was your calling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then the like the main callings were um, like farm work and being a warrior and what ardent. an ardent and probably a doctor or something and, and a scholar. Yeah. But like the biggest, like the most like honorable calling was the warrior or something, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. But like if for the men, yeah. Yeah. But that but was if, in the Alephi Voran culture, not so much in the other cultures. Mm-hmm. And which they always said the Alephi were, they liked to fight. Hmm. That was how they solved, mostly mm-hmm. solved their problems. And they, they loved, well, obviously, since warriors were like the highest value mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. that they were more warlike. What else mm-hmm. were they supposed to do? They couldn't read or write. <laughs> right? That's true. <laughs> I mean, Play music or do art. <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't at war, they had like duels and stuff that they would do too. That's, that's true. true. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things too. Is like the um the son of uh Dalinar. I can't remember his name off the top oh, of my head. Adeline. Ad- 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 yeah. Oh, Dalinar. His yeah, call. Yeah. His calling was dueling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to duel when we're in a time of war and I'm not supposed to do it according to my dad? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> It was really weird that it's like his calling is dueling, and it's like, like yeah, what? yeah, like how is that actually serving anyone? <laughs> but <I> served him, <laughs> but yeah. So the idea of, and I'm trying to remember if women were actually listened to in meetings or if they were just there to take notes, mm. because even though they were scholars, mm-hmm. I don't think their opinions were very valued. Which is really interesting. Like that's a lot of trust to place in for men to trust in the women to be recording things correctly, if they're if they had no say in or had no power. Like I just feel like that's a lot of trust to be placing in in people that you don't trust in other places of your life. Like yeah, yeah. Well, and I kind of wonder about that too because like um down the road towards like after um with Kaladin, uh, one of the new leaders of, like, the bridge crews, um, who's, like, right above Gaz, mm-hmm. he, when he came in, it was mostly his wife yes. that did right. the, right. like, oh, yeah. basically directing and, like, leading instead of him. Right. So, and yet he was in charge. Right. right. So, and- I kind of wonder if it's not so much a he versus she, but it's a together kind of thing. Kind of like two halves make a whole. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of reminded me of, I mean, if you watch like historical or even just, I, I get the impression that throughout history, the women really did have a lot more influence and power than what was grant, like what was like attributed to them. Yes. Like through, you know, like the power behind the throne. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I feel like that's kind of a lot of what was going on in this right. story. Well, and that's why I kind of thought, too, like what Miranda brought up was, you know, that they're more of a unit together, but how do you get to be that unit? I mean, what if you don't get married, or what if you're just a soldier? I mean, it's like you're half 
you're not complete. I don't know. I just kind of thought about, you know, it's almost like two sides of the same coin or like they work together like oxen in a pulling a cart, you know. That's not Yeah, I think example. maybe if you're married. I think maybe yeah. if you're married, but mm-hmm. like some of their leaders were not married. So. No. Right. So I think it's just if you're married then like maybe you listen to your wife or maybe you don't and if she has good ideas then you take credit for them. Oh, <laughs> sounds familiar. <laughs> Not not in that respect. But no, I mean, it just sounds like history. Other, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> world history. Yes. Real life history. Yes. And how does the death of her father impact Shalon and her brothers? So that this is going to be, this is about King, the King Gavilar. No, um, her father was a prince of Alifar or something like that. He was from a different kingdom and he had mm-hmm. a lot of debts. He oh, yeah, yeah, Shalon. I was thinking Jasna. Yeah, Shalon. Yeah. Yeah. He was using a Fabriel to create mines to dig out ore. And a Fabriel is like, I don't know how to describe that, a gem-infused magical device. <laughs> Object. <laughs> Specifically a soul caster is what they yes. were. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what they were. Do you want to explain what that is, Angie? Uh, supposedly, if you have this object, you can turn objects into other things, like rocks into food. And <laughs> Basically, you use your gem to transmute one object into another. Yeah, transmute. I like that word. <laughs> yeah. And so he was using his soul caster to create ore. Mm-hmm. Some valuable kind of ore, ore right? valuable to, ore yeah to keep money coming his, into his family for to his family right. so when he died and the soul caster thing broke they had no money coming in and they didn't even know about this until after his death and how how did he die again because i know the answer but i can't say because i know they oh, go into it in book two or and i wasn't sure because shallan she oh, did like she was asked by the shadow figures like tell me a truth that's like no one else would really know and she said i murdered my father okay yes we, we did yeah okay but we don't uh, know we don't know any circumstances yeah okay. yeah well, we won't you won't know that till book two or three okay <laughs> and i couldn't remember if that was so yeah so that yeah i don't really remember but was yeah. something that affected her very deeply and mm-hmm. um i don't know yeah and her brothers were her father was a very cruel man and that i think affected them more so than his death the way he treated them growing up i mean she was like i don't remember it was in the second book or what or not but like she had been banished to her room for weeks on end months whatever and maybe got remembered to be fed um her one brother was disowned um he ran off and Mm -hmm. dad wasn't happy about it so he disowned him and made the second brother the heir and he had that one brother's probably better off <laughs> now anyway <laughs> yes <laughs> just saying mm-hmm. oh yeah so, and so she basically it, it it really impacted her because she basically had to she took it upon herself maybe i think with her brother to decide to steal a different soul caster so right. that they can keep making money in the same way that they were prior um so she's she ends up taking a journey to to meet the infamous heretic um, yes. Jasna or Yasna. I don't know how you say it. In my mind, she became Janish. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
accent and know how to say it. So. 